0: Thank you for checking out the Life Church Utah podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. If you'd like to give to Life Church, you can do so by texting the word LCGIVE to 43506. And now, a message from one of our pastors. I'm going to make a statement here really quickly, and I'm going to have you repeat it after me, all right? That's, uh, this won't be too tough. Uh, your heart will be where your treasure is, all right? It's going to be up there. Your heart will be where your treasure is. Your heart will be where your treasure is. Um, recently had the joy of watching a documentary that was, uh, was a pretty fantastic documentary. It was kind of a treasure hunt kind of thing. And uh, this guy was looking for treasure for a long time. Uh, and there was a cave. He got down into the cave. And, you know, it opened, he got down in there and found this treasure. And I don't know if you've seen it or not, the, the, uh, the documentary, it's called Aladdin. It's really <laughs> fantastic documentary. <laughs> cave of Wonder is beautiful. I mean, just, wow, so amazing. And uh, in, uh, in the story of Aladdin, there's this guy named Jafar. And here's a picture of Jafar. And yeah, boo, right? Immediately. So did you see that? Boo. Um, so this is Jafar. I didn't pick the, the, uh, the live action one because that Jafar is way too good looking. So we wanted to have the guy. He just looks like trouble. This guy does. And so Jafar has, has this idea that he needs to get this treasure, which is in the Cave of Wonders. And the treasure is uh, the, the, the genie's lamp, right? And he has to rub it and, you know, the genie comes out and all that stuff. So Jafar is totally bent on finding this treasure. And he found the truth out that your heart will be where your treasure is because all he could think about, all he could do... (laughs) How many of you have seen the movie Aladdin? I've got a lot of blank stares. All right, this is... Okay, this is Aladdin, right? And all that he can do and think about and manipulate and try to to lie his way uh, through this kingdom is because his heart is where the treasure is. Because his heart is there, he's willing to do lots and lots and lots of bad things to get that treasure. Your heart will be where your treasure is. From time to time, uh, I, I realize my diet is out of whack. Anybody ever had that experience before? Where you go, you know what? I need to eat. So-. How many of you right now are going? I need to eat something to-. today. I'm going to eat fruit only because that's like the good thing. Right? Okay. So, so there are seasons in my life when I'm better at a diet than other times, and uh, one of the things that that I love and uh, is just, you know, brings joy to my heart is this. I know I've shared it before, but I just have to show it again. This right there. Okay. Now, a contortionist view of nutrition allows me to arrive at the conclusion that this is actually a healthy snack. The reason why, notice there's milk prominently displayed on there. You got dairy, and I'm sure somewhere in the cream there's dairy. Uh, that, That wafer... Obviously has something of grain in it, and so there's the grains that are involved in it. Probably vegetable oil or canola oil or something like that is in there, so vegetables are in there. So this, this is a well-rounded snack. That's at least how I have how I've justified this. And then comes along this next thing, which is even healthier, the mega stuff, right? So I will go out to the store, and I, and I will buy a package of Oreo double-stuffed cookies, And I will have one or two of them. And then I will say to myself, I'm going to save the rest. Okay? And so I save the rest and I hide it somewhere where my children can't find it (laughs) because otherwise it's completely gone very, very quickly. But but here's the problem. Your heart will be where your treasure is. I know where those Oreos are. (laughs) Every minute of every day, they call out to me right? You've been there before, right? You're like, I'm not going to eat that food. I'm not going to do such and such. I'm not going to do it, you know, whatever, whatever. (laughs) You know where you put it. And so those, and for me then I get in this moment where I feel like, you know what? It's my duty. They are in darkness. They're in a closet. I need to bring them to light. Right? I need to provide for them what, what they were created for was for me to eat them. So I'm helping them in their purpose. And so then I eat like an entire sleeve of those things. And I look at myself in the mirror and go, you still got it, buddy. <laughs> right? So that's, that's what happens. Your heart will be where your treasure is. So where is your heart? What is your heart all wrapped up in in this life? It's super easy to, uh, to think that we can do this in a vacuum, but one thing is for sure, where your treasure is, that's where you're going to find your heart. And uh, lest you think I'm just making up that phrase and think that it's just coming from the mind of a pastor trying to bring something out there, uh, go to the next slide there. I didn't say this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, this is what Jesus said. And if Jesus said it, you better believe it. (laughs) Where or your heart will be where your treasure is. So what is your treasure? Next couple of weeks, we're going to be uncovering um, kind of our hearts and identifying the treasure where our hearts have been uh, kind of stapled to them, right? Where our hearts have just kind of wandered to where our treasure is. And also challenge us to change, potentially to change that treasure that has captured our heart. And one of the treasures that reveal the heart the best is that of finances. And so, yep, if this is your first time here and you're saying to yourself, yep, churches always talk about money, (laughs) you're right. On the day that you're here, we're talking about finances. (laughs) Come next week, we're going to talk a little more about finances. The week after that, we are going to be talking a little more about finances for a couple of reasons that I'm going to share with you in a moment. But come the week after that, and we won't be talking about finances directly, but it'll probably come up at some point. So we are going to be talking about it. And so we, we need to understand that it's okay to talk about money in church. And as we start talking about money, um, there's, there's this thing where... All of our lives have different lenses on them, and so we look at different experiences and different topics through lenses based on our own experience, based on trauma in our life, based on difficult circumstances of our life, and so when we think of the word family, we look at it through a certain lens, and for some of us, you go, family is fantastic. Others of you could go, yeah, my family was not quite so fantastic, so when you say that word family, it's a problem. Well, the same sort of thing happens when we talk about money because we all have lenses by which we look at this topic. And so what I'm going to ask us to do over the next three weeks is to kind of take off the old lenses that we have and kind of put them aside and let's find a different perspective, a different lens to look at what it means with the finances and the stewardship required of us uh, that God, uh, God wants us to have and allow God to, ch- to challenge and change our preconceived ideas about money. So, this week we're going to be looking through the lens of fear versus faith. Of fear versus faith. Because there's a lot of fear that can surround our finances. That fear can be pretty tangible. I have bills that I need to pay, and I don't have enough money right now as it is to pay those bills. Right? And so there's fear associated with it. And then you add on top of it, A sense of obligation. Next week, we're going to talk about obligation versus desire when it comes to giving. But we have the sense of obligation, right, that, well, the pastor wants me to give, and we talk about it every single week, and so I've got to give. But the fear is that I'm not going to have enough to meet the needs that I have in my own life. Over the next couple of weeks, a book is helping to inform a lot of what we're going to be talking about. And so if you would like to, I want to encourage you to uh, pick up this book at some point. It's called The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. Um, It is a a really a fantastic book and helps with uh, kind of discovering what it means to have a A, a blessed life, but really a generous life, which for me is the heart of what, uh, what this is all about today. And so much of what we're going to be talking about next few weeks is found in this book. Our life groups are going to be digging a little bit deeper uh, into this whole topic of finances and how we move forward in faith uh, rather than fear. And then also, I want to recommend to you, we're going to throw up a, a, a link up here, and you can't click on that link because... Well, you can't click on it from here, so um, write that down, gatewaydevotions.com slash blessedlife, and that is a 20, there, uh, there's a 21-day devotion that if you start today, that'll take you all the way through the end of our series, and that might be another great way to challenge you to step up when it comes to, God, how do you want me to, to view my own finances and stewardship and all of that? So you can keep that up for a little bit so people can write that down. Um, here's my heart in all of this. I do find it somewhat difficult to talk about money, especially as a pastor, right, because of that stigma that for some feel like that all the church is after is my money. The people who typically say that, by the way, don't give a dime to church, just so you know. That's really, that heart attitude definitely shows up. And I get it. And as I, as your pastor, I can let my own discomfort about this topic inform me and in, make me not want to talk about it because it's difficult because we do have all we all have different lenses we all have difficult circumstances we've had to work through and so the thing is is I believe that this is a natural part of what it means to follow Christ because God wants every as as uh, Eric Pastor Eric said a little bit ago uh, none of this is ours anyway And so we might as well get into the mindset that, God, this is yours, and so, Lord, help me to return this to you. So a significant part of the relationship that God wants with us is the fact that he wants and desires to bless us. That's a great place to say amen, (laughs) right? Because God deeply wants and desires to bless us. Now, that blessing, this is not a prosperity gospel, by the way, uh, that's going to be biblical, and you're going to see it uh, laid out here in just a minute. And it's not just money, folks. It's not just finances, the way that God blesses us. I've got a story at the end, uh, end of the message. Stay tuned for that, uh, kind of dealing with this and my own uh, my own heartache in some things here. But um, in Deuteronomy, and we're going to talk uh, quite a bit about the Old Testament today, New Testament next week. But in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 14, uh, 14, 15, and I think 22 as we get to it, um, what you see is the tithe is brought in. Now, the tithe, when I say that, what that means is the first fruit or 10% of, uh, of the income, certainly in the Old Testament, of what uh, what people earned, 10% or the first fruit was brought to the temple and given to the Lord in faith. And so after the tithe is brought in and the generous heart is experienced by the people of God, this is what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 14. Verse 29, it says, The sojourner the fatherless and the widow who are within your towns shall come and eat and be filled. So there's this idea that the tithe is brought in and then the family of God is taken care of, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. So there's a direct correlation between you bringing gifts to the Lord and the Lord blessing the work of your hands. There's a direct correlation there. Deuteronomy chapter 15. You shall give to him freely. Now, this him that's involved here is somebody who's in need. You shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him, because for this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. Once again, there's a blessing directly associated with giving and generosity, that blessing returns back. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, The Lord will command the blessing on you in your barns and all that you undertake. And he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hands. So folks, when we give and we put God first and that generosity is first towards him, the Bible even says that there's a blessing on the land as well, uh, as well as on the work that you do, that is a pretty incredible blessing that God has given to the people of God. So blessing is to have the supernatural power of God working in your favor. How many of you want to have the supernatural power of God working in your favor? <laughs> right? I want that to work in my favor. Whether I am, I mean, I'm almost 50. Whether you are 90 years old here today, you're a 15-year-old here today, we want the blessing of God working in our favor. The opposite of that is called a curse. And a curse is when you have the supernatural power of God working against you. I don't want a curse in my life. I would prefer to have blessing in my life. So the foundation is God's desire to bless. In each of the verses I just shared with you, the context is basically after the tithe is given and after that generosity is given towards the kingdom of God and the work that God is doing then it says the blessing is poured out and the nation is blessed. Uh, literally, the land is blessed. The people of the nation are blessed. So how spiritual is this discussion of money in church? Is, is this something that we should be talking about, Pastor? It makes us uncomfortable. Uh, we had actually talked about entitling this Tough Talks Part 2 <laughs> right as we dig through this, you know, human sexuality. Um, what do we talk? Human human trafficking, mental health, and then giving. Right, those become tough talks. So there are certain things in church that we uh, have no problem talking about. Uh, one of those is, is this idea of prayer. Right, prayer is a very spiritual activity, and in the Bible we find uh, at least, if not many, many more uh, than 500 verses that focus on this core value and core uh, behavior of the people of God to be a people of prayer. So, 500, and we make that obviously, we, we, we invite people to come forward. We believe in prayer. There's 500 plus verses. Now, the next one is that of faith. Now, faith is something, it says, you know, by grace you are saved through faith. I mean, this is all part of salvation. And there are around just a little under 500 verses in the Bible that deal with this idea of faith. And it is absolutely central and core to what we believe about God, how we interact with one another, um, how, we, uh, how we trust the Lord, all of that based on faith. And so we talk about faith in church a lot. Money and possessions. There are over 2,000 verses in the Bible that talk about money and possessions and our relationship with money and possessions. So why is it that we are much more comfortable talking about prayer and faith and way less comfortable than bringing up money and possessions when it comes to the church? I think it's because deep inside, we all have the same heart that Jack has. (laughs) And it's mine, right? I'm just being totally brutally honest, folks. I feel that way. God, I work hard. Right? I, I, I do a lot, Lord, and this money is mine. Jesus, when he talks uh, with, with, with parables, there's 38 parables in the New Testament, 16 of those parables talk about money and possessions, and once again, relationship uh, between them and, or between our possessions and ourselves. So why such emphasis in the Bible about money? Because money, finances, is a test from God. I truly believe that. That how we treat our money says a lot about where our treasure is. Because remember, your heart will be where your treasure is. And there can be fear when it comes to this. Uh, How many of you have too much month for the income that's coming in, (laughs) right? We all feel that, don't we? I think all of us would say, I I want just a little bit more. Well, how much more? Just a little bit more, right? Because there's always needs. There's always bills. You know, we got all of those things in this world around us, and so there's fear associated. If I start giving to the church, I won't be taken care of. That's a very real fear. Another fear is if I start giving to the church, this might feel really selfish, but, um, but it's part of, I think, the American culture. If, if I start giving to the church, I'm going to then have less and therefore my status will drop because I'm not going to be able to do the things that I did before that brought me belonging and connection with a, with a social group of people, right? We feel that. And that's a very real, there's a need within humanity, within us, a need for status, not even in a bad way, but a need for belonging and a need for connection. And sometimes it's wrapped up in finances that I have to match a certain thing. So if I start giving, I'm going to have less. We see that certainly in the youth culture right? I mean, it's, it's, it's part of the youth culture. You have to have the certain clothes that are just right or the certain shoes or whatever that is in order to match up. And then if I've got a job at $8 an hour, man, I got to work like 100 hours to get enough money for this pair. Of, well, maybe not 100 hours. That'd be a lot of money for a pair of shoes. Got to work 10 hours, 80 bucks, 160, whatever. You know what? Math right now is not working for me. <laughs> 20 hours times eight, 160 bucks, And that'd be a good pair of shoes right now. And yet, where our treasure is, our heart will be. Fear that I won't have really comes down to this idea of idolatry. Because if we fear that by giving to God, who's the creator of the universe, who knows our circumstances, knows everything about us, created us, knows our hearts, our minds, our desires, our needs... If fear reigns in our lives so we don't give, fear becomes an idol. Because then we look to our job to be the thing that sustains us. Then we look to maybe to other relationships to be the, the only thing that sustains us rather than our relationship with God. Where our treasure is, there we're going to find our heart. We have fear because we don't understand that the heart, the heart of God when it comes to blessing and his desire to show us his way is the best way. And back in the Old Testament as well, Exodus chapter 13, if you have your Bibles or smartphones, Exodus chapter 13, the very beginning of it, uh, there's a principle that the Bible brings out at the very, very beginning of the nation of Israel, kind of their, their initial interaction with God that he has in this relationship. It says this, the Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both man and of beast, is mine. Human and animal, whatever. The firstborn is God's. How many of you are a firstborn? I'm not, I can't raise my hand. I'm a baby of the family. The babies rule. All right. Yes, yes. So raise your hand again if you're firstborn. Okay, the Bible says that you are gods. Right? That that not you are gods, that you've got to be careful how we say that. <laughs> you are God's possessive apostrophe, yes, all right. Um And uh, the Bible says that, a little bit later, it says, you shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, or if you uh, will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. So the firstborn of your sons, firstborn of your children, right? They are gods. How many of you would say, yeah, God, take them? (laughs) you can have them, Lord. But there's this principle here of firstborn and redemption, of sacrifice and redeeming that we see here in the book of Exodus. Sacrificed or redeemed. These are the two choices. That's it of the firstborn. The clean firstborn, and in the, in the Old Testament uh, sacrificial laws, there's a whole list of animals that are clean. Those clean animals are to be sacrificed. The unclean animals, of which this is listed here, the donkey, right, is to be then, sub, it's not a clean animal, so it's to be substituted or redeemed by another clean animal. In this case, directly mentioned was a lamb. And then every firstborn of man among your sons, uh, you shall redeem. In other words, uh, something uh, paid for for that firstborn, something sacrificed for that firstborn. Fast forward to John chapter 1. Verse 29, John the Baptist celebrating a great baptism service uh, just like this on a, on a Sunday morning, and he's out there baptizing people, and off in the distance, he sees Jesus coming his way. It says, the next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, in light of what we just read, there's a couple of things we need to know about Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is God's firstborn. In fact, in other places in the, uh, in the New Testament, it refers to him directly as that. He's the firstborn of all creation. He is the firstborn son of God. And he's born sinless. He is clean, so to speak. There's no blemish in him. There is no sinfulness in him. And so what does the Bible say about the firstborn? So, be sacrificed or redeemed? And Christ takes our place as one who gives his life and sacrifice in order to redeem us who are not the firstborn. On the cross, Jesus gave himself as a sacrifice for us, and in a very real sense, Jesus was God's tithe. Think about that just for a moment. Jesus was God's tithe given in faith. Because at, at that moment, there was no way of God knowing exactly how all of this was going to transpire when it came to our response to his son's sacrifice. Would we receive redemption from his son, Jesus Christ, because he sacrificed himself for us? Romans 5.8 says this, But God shows shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I'm going to invite Mike to come on up here as we uh, close out. So we give our tithes, our offerings, our first in much the same way that God gave his son, Jesus Christ, to us. He gives in faith. God gave his tithe, his son, Jesus, in faith before we ever believed God gave Jesus first in faith, even when we were sinners, even as we were mocking him and spitting in his face. And while he was dying, God did not wait to see if we would first change or repent or make ourselves worthy, but he gave his son, Jesus Christ, for us. The principle is the same for us. Before we see the blessing of God, we give it in faith. Before we see the blessing of God, we give it in faith. And this is why it can be fearful to give, right? Because when when we give, we don't have an immediate, spontaneous return of that giving, and so there's a bit of fear, and we wonder, God, are you really going to meet my needs? Because, Lord, you see that this this is tough. I can't give right now because X, Y, Z, and God says, trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Back a number of years ago uh, when we were doing an internship uh, in Greeley, Colorado, we were, youth, uh, we were doing the youth internship under Pastor Jim when he was out in, the, out in Colorado. And so we were, we were there and had a great like 10 weeks, I think, or something like that, 10, 12 weeks, 10, I think it was 10 weeks, 10, 11 weeks. And uh, we were down there and at the end of it, uh, they took up an offering, a wonderful love offering and gave us at that point, we were making like $100 a week. Man, bring it in the bank And um, $100 a week And then they gave this offering Which far surpassed any of that And we were thrilled I mean, we were like Man, God, thank you for blessing We tithe on that And super excited to just go Okay, God, you've got this So we make our way here To the Salt Lake Valley Where my, uh, my, my dad and stepmom And my mom um, mom and stepdad Were living, I think, at the time And we're coming here To pick up some furniture And we have a Pontiac of, I forget, like 1987 Pontiac 6000 LE Wonderful vehicle, y'all should throttle body injection like eight horsepower. It's beautiful. And uh, so we decided it'd be a great idea to put a trailer hitch on it and a six by ten trailer and fill that thing with thousands of pounds of furniture and then drive it back to Springfield, Missouri. That car was not made to do that, right? And so, remember, we're excited. God's given us this incredible blessing. And we're like, Lord, you know, through that love offering, we're like, yes, God, this is great. We get back to Springfield College the last semester, and we know, God, thank you for the blessing. We're driving. We go through Wyoming. Nothing good happens in Wyoming. And so we're driving through Wyoming, and we're taking, I don't know, we're turning into a parking lot. And, and I think just the weight of everything, and it snapped one of the front axles on the, uh, on the car. You remember that, hon? It was just a beautiful moment. Just love in the air. It was awesome. <laughs> and uh, so we have to, so I, think, I think we spent the night there, found a place that would fix it. And so here goes some of that cash out that we were so excited, you know, to have and the blessing of God. And, and it's going out and we're, you know, I'm getting a little antsy and we're thinking about, okay, when we get, we have a little less now than we had before. I don't remember exactly all the story, but by the time we get to Springfield, Missouri, All of that offering was gone. And I got to tell you, I was a bit miffed. I was. I mean, there was a part of me that was like upset. God, why didn't you bless us just a little bit more? Right? And don't we feel that way? I mean, we, we really, we struggle with this. And then God reminds me of the simple fact, Rich, I gave you enough for what you needed. Man, how often... How often are we upset when God gives us what we need and when we go, God, but I wanted. It. It's mine. <laughs> it's mine, God. So in faith, we give, right? Not knowing if a blessing of huge proportions is coming, but by faith we give because it's the right thing to do. Our motivation is not blessing. That's a byproduct of our relationship with God and following through in obedience to him, right? That's not our motivation, but we understand that God desires to bless. So the question is, will fear dictate to you how you trust God, or will you let faith guide you when it comes to your finances? Over the next couple of weeks, next week we're gonna talk about obligation and desire, sometimes that sense of obligation, right, that we, we feel, versus just having a desire of generosity to God. And then the last week, we're going to talk about head versus heart. And sometimes giving, man, that extravagant giving that God asks us to do doesn't make much logical sense, but there is something that happens when we we allow God to open the floodgates in our life of generosity. And I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet because we've got to remember one thing. Your heart will be where your treasure is that's a truth that Jesus revealed uh, through talking with his disciples your, that your heart will be where your treasure is. I'm going to invite you to just bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment. You're here this morning, and you recognize that your treasure is somewhere other than a place that's glorifying to God. And I, I'm not going to start naming off things that could be treasure because I think God is able to work in your own heart to reveal where your treasure is. And you'd say, Pastor, I know that I need to change where my treasure is because my heart has followed that treasure into some pretty awful places. I'm allowing that to dictate to me fear now rather than faith when we start talking about finances. And that's how you know that your treasure might be in the wrong place is if all during this whole time you're trying to justify that your treasure is okay. And you're here this morning. And you say, Pastor, just I know I need to put my treasure in a different place. If that's you, can you lift your hand? We pray that today's message is a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.